0: This episode is so scattered, so I apologize, but the point is I want you to take yourself seriously. Our bodies send us a message because it wants to be addressed and we can make our pain our purpose. I loves. Welcome to the Sex Positive Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Coletti. Thank you for joining me today. I'm so excited to be back here today with y'all. I've kind of taken a hiatus the last couple of weeks. The last week, actually, I have symptoms of the flu, potentially COVID, but I'm not getting into that. But I've been sick just... FYI. And that's why I have kind of been MIA for the last week or so. Also, I haven't been feeling super inspired to do solo episodes. I know I get into a bad habit where when I don't do something, I get into a rut and I don't feel like doing it. But when I actually do come on here and talk to you one-on-one, I really truly enjoy it and I want to do it all the time. But I'm trying to find the podcast work-life balance and bring you more interviews, which I have a lot of super exciting interviews coming this month. And just a lot's been going on in my life. And between family things, romantic things, which I'll get into eventually, in a future episode, and just personal things, I'm really excited to be teaching hot yoga in studio again. If you are in the New York, Long Island area and would like to check out a hot yoga class, feel free to reach out to me on the gram. And let's just jump right into today's episode then, shall we? Because I know a lot of you are probably first-time listeners. Welcome. Welcome. This is the month last year that I started my podcast, and it's my goal to get to 10,000 listeners. We are at 9,000 currently, so it would mean the world to me if you just shared or, um, you know, showed your support so I could reach my goal. But we're getting there slowly but surely. I have faith and patience that it will all work out in the divine timing, as it always does. Alright, let's talk about it. This is a really personal and deep, vulnerable subject, needs to be talked about because suicidality, suicidal ideation, and attempts have been a large part of my life as someone living with a SMI, serious mental illness, and I figured that this will help at least one person, and that makes all the difference. So... Trigger warning, this will be a very, um, I don't have anything planned for this episode. I'm first going to go into the logistics and awareness prevention education, and then I will share my own personal story. So September is suicide prevention awareness month. I will link some, um, helpful resources, telephone numbers, websites in the show notes, because this is a topic to take extremely seriously and, um, I know that if you're listening to this, you're either really close to me and just supporting the podcast, which I appreciate a million and one times over, or you are experiencing some sort of um, mental health issue. And for the month of September, um, I wanted to release this episode, Suicidal Thoughts, much like mental health conditions can affect every, everyone, it doesn't matter their age, their gender, their background, um, and oftentimes suicide is the result of an untreated mental health condition. These thoughts should not be considered normal, okay? If you are having suicidal thoughts, this is an often indicator of a serious issue that needs to be addressed, please, please do not write it off. Do not hope it'll go away. Do not try to ignore it and repress it. I promise you that's like having warning signs of a heart attack and you're just thinking it's going to go away on its own. Just because it's in your mind doesn't make it any less serious. It does not make it a personal willpower or character flaw. It does not make you weak. We need to get rid of that stigma because it's complete bullshit. And mental health problems need to be taken as seriously as physical health conditions. Okay. I'm going off on a tangent, but if you had a broken leg, I would really assume you would not, uh, you know, you'd probably go to a doctor or the emergency room. Yet when we have, I don't want to say a broken brain, but we have an issue going on in our psyche, we will often just dismiss it or just hope that it will go away and this is complete nonsense and these things need to be addressed i know that mental health is something that is stigmatized and stereotyped and depending on your religious and cultural background a lot of times shamed um this is why so many people die of suicide okay this is why so many people are in the dark and struggling alone and isolated because of this and this is just not okay So during this time, I'm hoping that with my own graduate level education and personal struggles with this stuff, that I could shed some light and raise awareness on this topic that is often taboo. And Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month is just a time to shift public perception and spread hope and just vital information to people affected by suicide, whether you are a suicide survivor to a family, friend, acquaintance that you have lost personally or you have struggled with this yourself. Okay, so I just want to make sure that you have the resources you need. You can seek help if you need to and if you are experiencing any any sort of suicidal ideation, whether it's passing, we have a plan. Please. Call the number that I will list in the show notes and go to your local emergency room 911. Okay. So, if you know someone that is in an emergency situation, this is not the episode where I'm going to tell you how to help someone experiencing a mental health crisis. Um, but it's important to have these resources on hand 1 800 273 8255 is the National Suicide Hotline. You could also reach out to a crisis text line, text N-A-M-I, NAMI to 741-741, and you will be connected to a trained crisis counselor. Okay, so I'm just going to share, and I'm getting all this off of the National Association for Mental Illness website, National Alliance. Okay, so... I hope that as we proceed with this episode, (laughs) this isn't going to be my most flowy, like fun talking episode, by the way, I'm going to be sharing a lot of statistics and facts with you. And if you would like to skip ahead, skip ahead, maybe like 15 minutes. Okay. I just want to have a very honest conversation. Suicide should not be taken lightly. Um, and I know that one conversation can change a life, so... I hope by sharing my story and spreading these facts that we can come together with a collective passion and hopefully strength around this really hard topic. And these are going to be some facts that I found off of Google. And I just wanna let you know that it is okay to talk about suicide. Um, I personally shared a quote on my social media um, and I hope that you can participate in any type of volunteer community or outreach yourself to encourage discussions with your community, friends, and family, social media is just one outlet that I personally use. And I am someone that has attempted suicide on many different occasions. I struggle with suicidal thoughts because I have as I said, I don't even want to say I have depression. I've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, eating disorder, anxiety, depression, everything. So I don't know what I have, but I have survived suicide attempts on multiple counts, and I'm not ashamed to say so. A lot of people won't talk about this stuff, and I just I just honestly hate when people don't talk about things. Like, secrecy thrives in darkness and shame just loves not being discussed. So when we kind of shed light and we speak our truth and use our voice and our story to give people hope and inspiration, that's really when we have a big impact, right? So individually, 78% of everyone who dies by suicide are male. Now, you know that this is a sex positive podcast. I always like to say that whether you were sex assigned at birth male doesn't have to match your gender, it's fluid, but I'm just using these statistical empirical evidence facts, okay? More women than men attempt suicide, but men nearly die four times more, more likely. Suicide is also the second leading cause of death among people 10 to 34 and the 10th leading cause of death overall in the U.S the overall suicide rate in the U.S. has increased by 35 fucking percent. Thank you, social media. 46% of people who die by suicide had a diagnosed mental health condition. Okay. So not even half. This is, if we just get the fucking proper treatment, I feel like this could be greatly reduced. Of course, there's so many other factors that go into it, right? But I just can only imagine like this, this is like more than half of people who have cancer are walking around without even knowing they have cancer. Like, it's just not acceptable. Ugh. And I just, I did a whole episode, I think, on this, or I posted a Tumblr blog on how people who struggle with mental illness or attempt suicide are often shamed and guilted and and told that they are selfish. And it's like, how could you? Like, you're just seeking attention, yet people that die from fucking, I don't know, like a physical health condition or brought flowers and given so much sympathy. And I just, ugh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Anywho, some of the, the highest rates of suicide in the U S are among American Indian, Alaska, native and non-Hispanic white communities, lesbian, gay and bisexual youth are four times more likely to attempt suicide than straight youth and transgender adults are nearly 12 times more likely to attempt suicide than the general population. Also, you'll know I'm a criminal justice geek. Suicide is the leading cause of death for people held in local jails. Shaking my fucking head. We need to do better as a society. So now that that is out of the way, I'm going to talk about some warning signs and symptoms of suicidality. So the behaviors listed are some signs and I will post warning signs on my Instagram if you would like a visual image for this. So, take these seriously. If you or someone you know is talking about wanting to die, feeling a burden to others, having great guilt or shame, or just feeling empty, hopeless, trapped, they say they have no reason to live, they're extremely sad, more anxious, agitated, full of rage, unbearable emotional or physical pain, where their behavior is changing, such as making a plan or researching ways to die. If they are withdrawing or you are withdrawing from friends, saying goodbye, giving away more important items or making a will, taking dangerous risks, such as driving extremely fast, displaying extreme mood swings, eating or sleeping more or less, using drugs or alcohol more often. If these apply to you or someone you know, please get help as soon as possible particularly if the behavior is new or has increased recently. And I will list this in the show notes. As I stated, um, this is all very serious, okay? This could mean that your mental health is rapidly declining. And we can all help to prevent suicide. Now, this is not to say if you have lost someone to suicide that you are to blame Um, I was speaking with someone that I actually had interviewed on the show last year and I remember her telling me this great grief and guilt of feeling like she could have done more. And as someone that has tried to take my life on numerous different accounts, I can 100% with certainty say that is no one's fault. You are not to blame if you lost someone to suicide, okay? All right, I know that 13 Reasons Why, although I am a fan of the show. That's very controversial. Um, The 13 reasons were the people to blame. But at the end of the day, it is the individual that is struggling with the mental health condition, okay? So we cannot save people. We can just be there and support them and love them and try to get them the help. But you cannot lead a horse to water and make it drink or something. You can lead a horse to water, right? That's the saying. I don't know what the saying is. I'm not up to date with the kids these days. You can't make it drink okay but you can give people the tools that they can then choose to use in their toolbox okay but go to a professional seek professional help all right 15 minutes i was correct we are now on to my story i don't even know where to start i did not have this planned all right so i'm just gonna off the top of my head share my story and i'm not gonna say i hope you can resonate but if you are listening and you can relate um you're not alone okay i know this stuff is so fucking hard it's like an invisible illness no one can see you struggling people get mad at you when you don't i don't know hang out with them or something and they don't know that you're serious like you're seriously struggling with your own inner demons and then you just look like the bad guy but I don't know, if you were in a cast, people would all of a sudden understand. It's just like such fucking bullshit. But anyway, it's me up on my soapbox. So I was born. (laughs) I was born and I was adopted at birth as a newborn. My birth parents were drug addicts, um, very poor. Um, I was born in Staten Island My birth parents couldn't take care of me. They were very young, had severe mental health issues. And I was put up for adoption, very grateful for this. Was not grateful when I was a kid. Just felt so fucking unwanted. I felt abandoned, felt like I wasn't good enough. Why didn't my own birth parents choose me? I can do an entire episode and I probably will on attachment trauma and um, the abandonment wound from adoption and how this has set me up, I don't wanna say set up cause that sounds so like victim mentality, but I have had an initial inherent feeling of being rejected my entire life, okay? So I was adopted and everything was kinda chill. Honestly, I have severe childhood trauma that I have repressed and really can't remember any memories before the age of 10. Um, and as someone that is training to be a psychologist, this startles me because I understand, um, that memories are often forgotten if the psyche does not feel like it has the coping mechanisms to process this. So don't know, um, what happened before the age of 10, but my dad was chronically ill my entire life. He was eventually terminally ill. And now the hospital, I was always calling 911. Had found my dad passed out unconscious on multiple accounts, thought he was dead as a kid. My life as a child was turbulent. Uh, my parents were not physically or emotionally available for me. Although I was extremely privileged growing up in an all white town, and I will say I am mixed, but um, grew up with parents that were white in an all white pretty wealthy town, which is confusing to me because I was very poor growing up. um, Lower working class. I had all my essentials provided for, though, so I'm very grateful for that. But no money to do anything else, essentially. So it was a struggle. And in elementary to high school, I was severely bullied um, physically and emotionally bullied by my peers for just, I don't know, honestly. There was nothing like apparently wrong with me. I think they just knew I was so self-conscious that they picked on me. And um, by the age of 13, I started self-harming and developed bulimia. So it started with um, cutting and burning And I started throwing up and taking diuretics and diet pills at the age of 13. And, um, this is like very crunched, right? So when I was in high school, I got into my first abusive relationship at the age of, I want to say 14. Um, my depression and social anxiety got so much worse in high school. I had severe social phobia, they called it at the DSM at the time, um, and I wanted to die I attempted suicide for the first time well I had my first encounter with suicidal attempt at the age of 15. I opened an entire bottle of Tylenol in my aunt's cabinet stuffed it all in my mouth and my mom knocked on the door I was about to swallow spit them all out in the sink and just cried and walked home at like 10 o'clock at night by myself which was very unsafe now that I'm thinking about it. I just remember feeling like such a loser. I just didn't feel worthy of life. And I was just in so much fucking pain internally that I just wanted it to end. I didn't know what was wrong with me. My mom was never around because she was paying attention to my dad, which I understand my mom's like superhero. So at 15, my father died. Um, And I had gotten into my next abusive relationship, um, 12th grade. By then I was very bulimic, as I had said. Um, I was self-harming almost every day. I was in and out of treatment facilities, went to an uh, intensive outpatient and PHP partial hospitalization program for my eating disorder. And in therapy, thank God, therapy was my saving grace. Um, I had gone to the school counselor and during lunch because people used to like throw cans at my head kids are so fucking mean like I have so much compassion for those kids now because in the grand scheme of things I probably I realized they were probably being abused at home or dealing with like addict parents but back then I just felt like complete shit I felt targeted I felt I honestly can't even tell you how I felt. I felt really bad and I was very depressed and I just wanted to be accepted by my peers but no one would accept me. And um, got into my next abusive relationship and just a string of verbally and physically abusive relationships after that. Um, My first semester of college, I was sexually assaulted on campus and um, that sucked to say the least. I remember when I was 19, deep into my eating disorder, um, deep into self-harming all the time, I attempted suicide. I don't want to say exactly how I did it, honestly, I don't feel like that would be helpful, especially if people are dealing with severe depression, but let's just say every day, there wasn't a day passing for a few years where I did not think about death death seemed like the ultimate goal. I did not want to be here anymore. I didn't think anyone would care. I felt like my life was a waste. I'm a burden. Um, just wanted to die, thought about death all day, looked up ways to die on my phone and just kind of wanted people to miss me. Honestly, I I think back then I wanted people to feel like they should have paid more attention to me. And, um, I think that was just, I was deeply wounded and hurting. And I ended up in the mental hospital for the first time at 19. Um, I actually met a lot of some of my best friends in the psych hospital, um, but it was scary. And um, at 21, I got into a very bad relationship where there was emotional, verbal, spiritual, financial, physical, sexual abuse. At the age of 21, I sustained a traumatic brain injury from that um, DV incident. And I tried to take my own life at 21 again um, after we had broken up. And I woke up in the hospital, it was very scary. And um, at 22, I found out that I I had a cancer scare. Which makes so much sense to me because I was in so much psychological and physiological stress on my body. And I think that things manifest physically to express how we are feeling or what we are experiencing mentally, emotionally, spiritually. So I'd say 21 to 22, I was at my absolute worst with mental health. I just had wished, I actually wished at one point that I got cancer so that I would die. I wished I didn't care if I didn't wake up. Life just seemed like a punishment. It just seemed like I was being punished. I didn't wanna be here. I thought give my life to someone that wants it. I really don't wanna be here. Life is suffering, life is pain. And I had dropped out of school. Um, I always wanted to be a psychologist, but because of my brain, um, injury. I couldn't. I couldn't go to school. I lost so much of my memory. Um, also, mental health problems like depression—they impact our hippocampus, our um, just different areas of the brain. Neurologically, they have a large impact. Often, cognitive decline is a result of long-lasting mental health problems. I was very fortunate enough, though, that I had a treatment team going to therapy and a psychiatrist. And um, I felt very isolated. I really didn't have many friends because my mental health was so impacted that I really didn't wanna see anyone. I didn't wanna be around anyone. Um, I had a smile on my face. I could pretend to be okay to the outside world, but I would come home and I would just punish myself. And and my self-harm felt like a way of taking out my internal aggression on myself. I was very implosive this um manifested as spending too much money um i dipped my toe in a lot of different behavioral addictions and um the next time i had tried to take my own life i went to the train station and um i was going to jump in front of the train the train came this was about i think 24 and um I was so scared, man. I went up to the tracks and I was so fucking scared and I was next to people that were gonna board the train and um, I just thought to myself, I can't traumatize these people for the rest of their life because of how I feel. I was just, I think I was struggling with severe PTSD and um, when you're in the depths of a psychiatric condition, you really can't think clearly, right? You feel like you're being tormented and tortured and you just want the pain to end and you just aren't thinking straight. And I told my psychologist at the time, God bless her, Alyssa, she was fucking a fucking fantastic angel. And I've been so thankful. I've had so many awesome therapists along the way. Um, but by this time, I just said had experienced at 24 so much sexual violence, so much interpersonal violence, um, very numerous assaults, and it was just, it took its toll. And um, I've been on, I wanna say, at least 15 different psych meds in my life. And now I'm 27 years old and I have finished my master's program. I finished grad school. I will not say i don't struggle with mental health issues um but i love this because i am so thankful i used to think that my life was a series of unfortunate events i said if i could name my life after a movie that would be it now i see it as a series of fortunate events because those challenges that adversity i had experienced I had to learn to muster up my own strength. I had to recognize my courage. And I am so brave. I am so fucking strong. I am I, I'm like an 85 year old in a 27th body. I have so much wisdom so much empathy and that's why i am going to school to be a psychologist because i can take my empathy and my compassion and my own knowledge from dealing with this shit i've i've dealt with so much fucking shit in my life but it's really okay because it's it's taught me to have resilience it's taught me to see a new perspective it's taught me to forgive myself and people who have harmed me and the ways that i have hurt myself so um it's not It's not easy at all. It, it's like you have a devil and you have an angel on your shoulder and so often the devil is just like screaming and it's just learning to silence it. It's learning to tap into your higher self and that's where spirituality and just healing, healing has been so like pivotal on, on my recovery journey. Um, I'm still on medication, I'm blessed to have gone from being on like 10 different medications, now I'm on one. I was in therapy at one point three times a week. Um, Now I go to therapy once a week if I need, Like it's it gets, I don't want to say it gets easier, but if you hold on, it can get better. But we can never get there if we, I don't want to say give up, but if we don't hold on, Right, There's a difference between letting go and giving up and whew, just breathe my friends, breathe. I am sending you so much love and light and praying for you. And We have to learn our own power. We have to learn how to harness that power and use the difficulties and the traumas in our life for good. Make your pain and your mess, make it your message. That's what I'm doing. I hope we can do it together. I believe in you and I will link some resources in the show notes. Please talk to someone, find a safe person, a trusted place and um, I'm just sending you so much so much love and light right now. It's a hard time but we'll get through it together. If you like this episode, please like rate, subscribe, share. I love you so much. all of my love. take care, my beautiful friends. Thank you.